Isaiah 43 and verse 19 says this. The Lord says, for I am about to do something new. See, have I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. As we're knocking at, uh, I will create rivers in dry wasteland. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that your word is living, true, awesome, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as Lord, uh, I present your word. Help me to be clear. Uh, Lord, help me to present it the way uh, that you want it to go forth. I thank you that your word does not go back to you void, but accomplishes exactly what you set it forth to do. Lord, open up our spiritual ears, our hearts, our minds to receive your word and the grace to apply it to our lives. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, this message tonight, I've actually been kind of kind of working on this message for a few weeks uh, and thought I was going in a whole different direction, but at the last couple of weeks that I preached, I just, things came up and I didn't really have enough time to where I really wanted to finish studying it out. So thankfully I was able to do that today. Uh, but as I begin to study, as we're on the verge of a, a new year, uh, I, I felt like going in a little different direction uh, with it. And so that's why I wanted to start out uh, with Isaiah. I always love reading that scripture. It always encourages me around the new year, right? It's like, there's something new coming down the pipe. We believe there's something new. I mean, we don't have to wait for a new year for God to do something new, right? But I just think, you know, it's, it's cool reading this uh, as we're about to change a calendar year. So as we're knocking on the door of this new year, I'm sure there are things that uh, you may like to change next year. Is that right? Maybe some things that you say, man, I want to grow in an area. I want to, there's something I, I want, maybe strongholds broken off of my life. Maybe uh, physical health. Maybe you, like a lot of people, want to get in shape. Uh, I always say, look, I'm in shape. Round is a shape, so I am in shape. I do want to get into a different kind of shape in the new year. Uh, so maybe that, maybe, you know, your eating or your health or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe your spiritual health. Maybe you desire to get closer to the Lord. If you do and you've never fasted before, you've never joined us, maybe you're newer to the church and you're not sure what fasting is, we'll be talking about it in the weeks to come. I encourage you to get that literature. But fasting is one of the greatest ways that you can draw closer to the Lord. Maybe you, you desire to have a positive change, maybe in a strained relationship, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your children, maybe coworkers, friends, whatever the case may be. Maybe you have a financial situation that you want to change. Maybe a different direction for your life. You don't like the direction your life's been going in and you want a different direction in your life. Uh, maybe you want to be more consistent. Maybe at the beginning of the year, you always start out with goals, spiritual, physical, you know, whatever they may be, relational, and you go strong for like two and a half weeks or days or hours and then you fall off the map, you know, right? Maybe you just want some more consistency, want to be more steady and more stable. Maybe you want a different outcome at the end of next year than the outcome at the end of this year. Tonight we're going to look at how God transformed a few men into new men, and it all started with words God spoke over them specifically by changing their names. I believe that the Lord wants to make some things new in your life in this new year as well, and not just in the new year, like I said, it, things could begin to change tonight, amen? Uh, by using these men's stories, let's look at some of the things that the Lord wants to make new in us. And again, uh, again, this, all every time we preach, a list can be very exhaustive. But but as I was looking at this for a few weeks now, uh, these particular four men I was looking at, and and how God through changing their name begin to change them and make them new in certain areas. So the first way I believe that God wants to continue to change and make us make our character and our identity new. New character and new identity. 
if, if our identities lined up with the word of God. Look at Genesis 32, 22. A lot of us are familiar with this story and this man. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and rested with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hit and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name would no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. See, Jacob sounds like the Hebrew word that means heel grabber or a deceiver. And Israel means God fights. See, the Lord's question was really about Jacob's character, not his identity. When he first asked him, he said, hey, what is your name? He was asking about his character. But by giving his name, Jacob confessed his nature and by the ways he was doing things was deceitful. He was a deceiver. Like, uh, especially a few things he did, but especially with his, his uh, brother Esau. And the reason he's called Hill Grabber, because he had a twin brother named Esau. If you're not familiar with the, with the story, he had a twin brother named Esau. And whenever Esau uh, was coming out, it, the, the midwife said that, that Jacob grabbed his heel, and then Jacob ended up coming out uh, first. And so uh, after that, Jacob... Uh, later on in, in, in life, as they got older, uh, Esau was a man of the field. The Bible says he went out hunting one day. He came back. It was real hungry. Jacob was cooking, and he ended up, even though Esau, which the Bible tells us in the New Testament, basically Esau made a fleshly decision to sell his firstborn birthright because Esau was the firstborn. Um, he ended up selling his birthright to Jacob for a, a bowl of, of stew. So he sold all the rights of the firstborn, and I'm not going to get into all that, but what all that entails is a Jewish firstborn, the inheritance, the double portion, all kind of stuff like that. But he tricked him, so to speak, deceived him into that. And then later on in life, when his dad was dying, which by he was coerced by his mom to go in and get the firstborn blessing from his dad. He dressed up like his brother. He put he he they slaughtered a lamb, they put on some uh some some sheepskin and whatnot and went in there, cooked his favorite stew, his favorite di, uh, mi, di, meal, his favorite dish, brought it to his dad and deceived his dad into getting him to give him the firstborn uh blessing, the blessing of the firstborn. And so that was a couple of things that Jacob did and as a deceiver. So before God would bless him, he had to acknowledge who he was and when he did that, that's when God changed his identity. So God asked him about his character, but when he asked him about his character and Jacob confessed his nature and his sinful character, then God changed his identity. Y'all tracking with me? So I have a question. What is your name? What is your name? Liar, trickster, deceiver, etc. These was Jacob's names. That's what, what, his, what his name meant, and that's what he was living out. So what is your name? What what are some of the things that that people maybe call you? The enemy's called you. You've called yourself because of maybe some flaws in your character. We must confess our nature and acknowledge who we are so that God can transform us and bless us. If you want something new from the Lord, if you want something changed in your life, you must first confess that thing in your life or the nature of who you really are. Amen? 
And really, when I talk about change, I, I heard a man of God say this actually last year. And ever since then, it's messed me up and it's stuck with me. And he said this. You've probably heard me say it uh, quite a few times. But he said, you know, actually, we can change on our own, but only God can transform us. Amen. Transformation is what we're looking at. That's what Romans 12, 2 says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? It don't say be changed. It says be transformed. Because we can change. We can do some things to change. I can, hopefully, I'm going to change my exercise routine and start going back to the gym, you know, here shortly, right? And be consistent with it. I can change some patterns in my life, but only God can truly transform us, right? You know, we must do this because so many of us have let our flaws, our character flaws, form our identity. You see, when he, again, confessed his, his character flaws, his, his, his issues, so to speak, God changes identity. A lot of us, because we've messed up so much over the years, we've allowed those things to form our identity. Some of you have formed your identity by what people have spoken over you for many, many, many years. You think about it. From the day that that baby was born, little Jacob, every time that they said Jacob, whether it be his parents his siblings, his cousins, his neighbors, everybody, his wives, later his own children, everybody called him deceiver. Every time they addressed him, it was, hey, deceiver, come see. Hey, trickster, come over here. Hey, deceiver. They spoke that over him from day one. So some of us, we formed our identity by what others have called us or have told us, Right? You might not truly believe that, but that's true. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Whether it was a parent, whether it was a mentor, was a teacher, somebody that you don't even like, your brother, somebody. Our identity could be formed by what people have spoken over us. But I want to encourage you tonight. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You are not the sum of your mistakes. This is not your identity. We got to remember in Christ, our identity is we are children of the most high God. That's our identity and identity alone. That's what happened with Jacob. Jacob confessed who he was and you see God changed his name to Israel. So no longer after he wrestled with God, after he had this encounter with God. And man, I want to encourage you to go and read that story. Maybe if you got a study Bible, read some comments. There's so much to that story. So much to when he says you fought with God and man. Jacob tried to do so much stuff on his own. Eventually he wrestles with God. And that's why God ended up touching his, his hip bone, knocks his, his hip out of socket. Because that was symbolic of him trying to fix himself and do all this stuff on his own. So God finally touched him and where he had to, he couldn't physically do everything he wanted to do on his own. He had to depend on God. You see, and God changed his name and his identity was no more as a deceiver, but as Israel. God fights and he realized, you know what? I fought with God, but ultimately every time he heard Israel, he had to remember and believe God's fighting for me. God fights for you. I'm a child of God, so God is fighting for me. And that's where his identity came from. Galatians 3.26 says, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, so much so, I had it in here and I took it out. But in Hebrews, if you go in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, the hall of faith, it actually mentions Jacob. And it's awesome because when it mentions him, it says that, uh, you know, that he bowed and he worshiped while leaning on his staff. I thought it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews says that he, he, he's leaning on his staff. And that's a reference back to what happened Whenever he wrestled with God, God touched him. And so when he was transformed, got a new identity, he ended up doing great things for the Lord. The 12 tribes of Israel, the whole nine yards came through him. Amen?
So the Lord wants to give you a new character. You feel like, hey, I don't know about you. Do you still feel like you got some character issues in your life? Yes. Okay. I'm talking to the right crowd. All right. So some, you know, I know all of us do. That's going to be a continuous process. The big word called sanctification. That's a continuous process till we go to heaven. Some of you, you might be secure in your identity. You might know, no, I know I'm a child of God. Don't matter. It's not what I do or what I don't do to mess up. But I believe there's some in this room tonight that you still struggle with your identity of who you are in Christ. That you're a child of God. As I looked that up, man, there's so many scriptures. If you got a, a, a version Bible app or something, just type in children of God. You'll see so many scriptures in the New Testament where it's constantly just, just you know, hammered into is that we're children of God. We're, we're a child of God. Sometimes they say we're sons of God or sons and daughters of God. That's continued to be reiterated in our lives because that's where our identity comes from. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Amen. So God wants to change our identity if it's not an identity that's in Christ. Number two, I believe he wants to give you a new view of your potential. A new view of your potential. Let's read about a guy you've maybe heard about in the Bible before. John verse one in verse, uh, chapter one, I'm sorry, in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Simon is a well-known, or Peter, by us in the Gospels, not for his courage and his faith, but for his failings. Jesus named him Cephas, or Peter, which means rocked referring to the great church leader he would later become. So what are some of the failings that we see in the Gospels of the Apostle Peter? He rebuked the Lord. He cut off a, a, a guard's ear. He denied the Lord three times. He ran out on the Lord after denying him and then come back during the crucifixion. He went back fishing after Jesus was crucified. And the reason he went fishing after he was crucified and was buried is because he didn't think that he had any more potential after his shortcomings. See, Peter messed up over and over again when he was with the Lord. He denied, oh, Lord, I'll never deny you. Matter of fact, I'm going to die for you. And when a little junior high girl questions him about Jesus, he denies the Lord. And he runs off, and of course, he felt horrible about it, but he thought, man, I'm definitely disqualified to be doing anything for the Lord. And I mean, he thought, you know, Jesus was dead, but he went back fishing. You know, he, he said, well, I'm, I'm done, you know. But you know what? What's cool is that the Lord still saw the potential in Peter. Even though Peter didn't have a view of his, the potential that was in him, from the beginning, when Jesus first met him, he called him Peter. You're a rock. He saw the potential in him. See, the Lord always sees the potential in us. Sometimes other people sees the potential, sees potential in us, but it's hard sometimes for us to see our potential. And it goes back to the first point. Because of our character issues, because of flaws, because of failings, because of mess-ups, but the Lord always sees the potential in us. Look what the angel told the women who had went looking for Jesus at his tomb after the resurrection. I love this. Mark chapter 16 and verse 7 says, Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The angel specifically named Peter because he knew Peter would feel inadequate after all of his mess-ups. 
Jesus has rose from the dead. These women, Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, another lady ran to the tomb looking for Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. Bob says there was a young man there. We know he's an angel. And he says, go get all the disciples, including Peter. Specifically, let Peter know that the Lord wants to see him. The Lord wants to meet him. I, that's so powerful. Because you know what? He thought he was disqualified. But you know what? The Lord still had the view of the great potential that Peter had in his life. Even though he messed up all those times, Jesus still would later tell him, upon this rock, which he was referring to Peter's faith because uh, the Lord was asking him, you know, uh, you know every, what, what people were saying about him. Uh, what did, who did people think that he was? And then they were saying, oh, we think, people think you're John the Baptist. People think you're Elijah. And Jesus said, who do you think you are? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and he said, flesh and blood. Jesus tells Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but only my father in heaven. And Jesus tells Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't specifically upon Peter. It was upon the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. But still, Peter had the faith and got the revelation from the Lord. And you see, right there, the Lord was speaking life and potential into Peter. And that was before he had betrayed him and whatnot. So, again, the Lord specifically sends his messenger and says, hey, call Peter. I'm not done with him yet. There may be some of you in here tonight that you feel the same way. You got a skewed view of your potential, and you need a new view of your potential. Some of you have messed up. Listen, we all messed up constantly. Believe me, I tell, y'all have heard me say, man, if y'all would, you know, see the things I do during the week sometimes, y'all wouldn't probably want to listen to me on Wednesday nights. Or some Sunday morning. I feel like, Lord, I'm not, I'm not qualified to be up here because I mess up. I do things that, that I know don't please the Lord, right? But you know what? We all still have potential. Man, God's grace. I was listening to a teaching this morning uh, with a group of guys I'm meeting with, you know, and, and this man, a guy was saying that truly none of us truly understand the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace that is applied with the atonement that came on the cross. And, you know, it's true. I mean, we mess up, but, you know, God still sees the potential. You need to get a new view of your potential. I tell you what, you're not disqualified. I love the scripture that says God's callings and giftings can never be withdrawn. And listen, now, I've, there, there are some things that might be positions or places or things we might, you know, we, we've maybe, according to man's standards, have disqualified ourselves. I understand that. But you know what? You still have potential. I just want you to hear that tonight. You still have potential. You can still be used by God in some shape or form. Amen? You need to get a new view of the potential you have. Go get the disciples, including Peter. The Lord wants to include you in what he's doing on the earth. Amen? Number three, it might be a new mission that you need to get this year. Possibly a new mission. As the Apostle Paul, and he was still known as Saul as this time in the book of Acts, him and uh, Barnabas were going around, they were preaching the gospel, and Saul, which as we're going to see, his name was turned to Paul, they were, they were witnessing and ministering to the governor of the area. They had a sorcerer that came by and was interfering with the, the word of God that was going forth. The, the Bible says that this sorcerer attached himself to the governor and was trying to interfere with the gospel because he didn't want this governor to be saved. So, uh, so as Paul finally gets fed up, well, I want to read one verse in, in Acts 13, 9. It says this, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer 
in the eye. Now, after he, he didn't just look him in the eye, if you finish reading that, he basically gets really upset and, you know, condemn, not condemns, but basically uh, calls the Lord's punishment down the sorcerer. The man goes blind and is groping around, asking somebody to lead him around. And it was awesome because in that miracle right there that he, he blinded the sorcerer, the governor got saved right there on the spot. The Bible says because of that, the governor was like, man, he gave his life to Christ. But I just wanted to read that one verse because it says, this is Luke that most believe Luke read the, the, uh, wrote the book of Acts. Luke, I mean, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke makes the significant transition from the name Saul, which is a Hebrew name, to Paul, which is a, which is a, a, a Greco-Roman name, indicating that Paul was now predominantly on a Gentile mission. See, before, whenever Saul got, got radically saved on the road to Damascus, he was going around and he was speaking to the Jews. But Luke here in Acts tells him that his mission changes now. And we see Paul basically becomes the first greatest missionary that we know of. He goes all throughout uh, the Gentile world to the Romans and to the Greeks all over preaching the gospel. So for the rest of the book of Acts, he's called Paul except for when he recounts his conversion. And we know that at his conversion, he was uh, actually on a whole nother entire mission, right? This is actually the second time his mission got changed. Because the first time, he was on his own mission. His mission was to eradicate Christians. He was a zealous Jew. He was a Pharisee. And he was actually trying to eradicate every trace of Christianity by having Christians killed or thrown in prison. And then Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. And he goes from his own mission. Where he, he thought he was doing something for God, actually. He thought he was, he thought all these Christians and this Jesus was false prophets and they were blaspheming and all this. So he actually thought he was on a mission for God, but then he encounters Jesus and he goes from being one of the fiercest uh, opponents of Christianity to one of the greatest advocates of Christianity and literally helps turn the world upside down. So then he begins to preach the gospel, telling the Jews that, hey, look, this is real. I saw Jesus myself. He is the Messiah. But then again, when his name changed, it signified his mission changed. So in this new year, maybe your mission needs to change. Maybe it might be like when Saul was, was first thinking he was on a, on a good mission of his own. Maybe your mission needs to change from building your bank account and your business to building the kingdom of God. Pastor Todd talked about this a couple weeks ago about uh, what our finances and about honoring the Lord. Listen, we all got to work for living. I understand. But if your sole mission in life, again, is to, to build your bank account, to build a resume, to build a business, then you know what? That mission needs to change. You still got to work. I understand that. But that can't be the, the sole mission. Maybe it needs to change from trying to get into a relationship with the opposite sex to a closer relationship with the Lord. Again, nothing wrong with if, you know, you're, you're in, in a stage of life or in a place in life where you, you desire to get married. I am so thankful that my bride's sitting on the front row and that the Lord blessed me and allowed me to get married. But listen, that can't be your sole purpose because it's very easy to turn a relationship or a person into an idol. We not, might not bow to statues, but we can bow to things like work or even someone of a significant other or someone that we're pursuing. You may be pursuing someone to, and want to be in a relationship, want to get married one day, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's your, 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 your number one mission, and that mission takes over the mission that the Lord has for you, your mission needs to change. You need to get a new mission, right? Or maybe you're already doing something for the Lord. But you know what? Maybe he's speaking to you and wants you to do something different. Like with Paul, he was ministering to the Jews, and then, you know, he, he primarily started ministering to the Gentiles. 
And I don't know what that is. A couple weeks ago, I said a couple weeks, probably a month ago, when, when uh, Pastor Larry was here. If you didn't, if you didn't hear that message from Larry Myers on, on being at a crossroads, I, I, I don't actually recommend that. I want to tell you, go listen to it. Go order in the info center. Go on online and, and listen. That, that was a phenomenal message about being at a crossroads. And he shared his story about how he was pastoring a church. He was doing great in Texas. And the Lord spoke to him and told him to leave everything and go to Mexico, you know. And so whatever it may be, maybe you, you're doing great and you're serving the Lord. Maybe the Lord's been stirring you up to do something a little bit different. And I have no idea what that may be. But as I was preparing this, as you see Paul doing it, you know what? He might have a new mission for you to do in 2000. And 17. Amen. Y'all tracking with me? All right. And the last thing, and overall, and, and we're going to end a little bit early tonight. And I know the, the, my wife informed me that, you know, 412 is going to be letting out a little bit early. They're actually having a little service under the stars tonight. Uh, and so we're going to wrap it up here in a few minutes. But the fourth thing is that, you know what? You might just need a new outcome, a new outcome in life in general. Amen. Some of you, the, the, the outcome of this year are, are, are maybe of, of your end result on, on things that you've been pursuing, things that you've been doing. Maybe, you know, they're, they're not ending the best. Maybe the things that you've tried, the things that you've done, that, they don't, they don't, they're not working out according to plan. And there, there's a lot of reasons why they can be. But this, this last person I want to look at, actually God didn't change his name. So this is, on this one, he didn't change his name, but he changed his outcome. And I actually referenced him in, as I, in, in, in the exhortation earlier as I was praying. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. A lot of y'all familiar with this, this verse. We've prayed this prayer a lot. You're probably going to hear it being prayed a lot during prayer and fasting. There's a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted his request. Now, many years I've read this and I've prayed this and I thought, man, you can leave it up there, Doug. And I thought, he prayed, God, keep me from all trouble and pain. And I thought, man, and God granted his request. Well, you know, we've said a lot. There's a lot of times people get saved and they hear a false gospel and think that if they give their life to Christ, there won't be no more trouble and pain. But we know that Jesus said the total opposite, right? That there would be trouble, there is going to be pain in this world, you will have trouble, he says. So I always wonder, like, man, why, you know, why, uh, you know, God, this guy obviously was an awesome man of God, that God would grant him that he have no trouble or pain. The Bible says God granted his request. Well, if you look at the first part of that scripture, you realize, I believe, why? Again, because Jabez's name means pain or distress, so his mother names him this. You, you got to understand the power of a name. If you, you're younger in here, if you don't have children or, you know, and you're going to have children one day, be careful what you name your children. I'm telling you, there's power in the name. Jabez's name means pain or distress. And I, before I go there, I've told this story. I realized it in my own life. Our firstborn, Joah, my son, his name means secure and God is father. That's what Joah means. If you look up Old Testament, there's actually two different Joahs in the Old Testament. And, uh, so one day we were, I wasn't even on staff yet. I was still, we were youth leaders working. Uh, uh, I, I don't think we were on staff yet. Yeah, we were still in the tent. So we, we were youth leaders helping the youth pastor at the time. And there was a guy who used to come to church here and he said, um, 
man, how's the baby doing? How's Joe doing? And I said, oh, man, he's doing great. He was a few months old, I don't know, three or four months maybe. Uh, and said, man, how's he doing? And, you know, as a dad, first-time dad, you know, everything my son was doing was amazing. You know, it was so cute and everything. I said, so how's your son doing? You know, oh, he's good, man. Oh, great. I said, man, it's cool. He's been doing something new that he's never done before. When he sleeps, he sleeps with his hands behind his head like that. I said, it's just the cutest thing. It's so cute. He said, man, it's crazy that you say that. He said, I just read an article that they said when a child sleeps with their hands behind their head, it means that they're secure. And I was like, dude. I was like, his name means secure. So you think every time we say Joah, we're speaking that over him, that he's secure, and that we pray that we know that God is his father. So there's power in a name, I'm telling you. Be careful what you name your children. So let's go back to Jabez. I wonder why did God grant this to him? Because every time his parents, again, his parents, his siblings, his neighbor said, hey, pain, distress, come on over here. Every time they called his name, they were speaking pain and distress over him. So I believe that part of that is, guess what? All his life, he was spoken pain and distress over. And so, you know what? He sought the Lord and the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to keep you from pain and distress. Because people try to speak that over you all your life. But, you know, in an instant, God can change that. And he can wipe that slate clean, clean and keep you from what people have been speaking over you again, just like Jacob. And it, it goes further than that. You know, Jabez, first of all, Jabez went from pain to prosperity in, in every sense of the world. You know, so again, doesn't matter what people have spoken over you, but it can change in an instant. Also... You don't have to live down to what people call you or what they expect. You know, sometimes you say, oh, we, you know, I, I feel like I got to live up to their expectations. But sometimes people live down to people's expectations too. Because, see, his name was pain and distress. He could have lived down to that expectation. But it tells us in verse 9 that Jabez was more honorable than all his brothers. Now, I don't know what his other brothers, I mean, there's probably the lineages in there, you could read it, but I don't know what all his other brothers' names mean, but his name meant pain and distress, but he was more honorable than them all. He didn't live down to their expectations or down to what they called him. Just because people have spoken things over you or you have all kind of dysfunction and addiction and depression or whatever else in your family history, you don't have to settle for that. You can live an honorable life. You can live an honorable life because, again, in an instant, God can change it. God can make you new. You can, you can be a new you in this new year or any day. God can transform you. Again, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way that you think. God wants to give you a new outcome. If the end of this year, as we wrap it up in the next few days, you know, you, you thought you maybe was going to be further alone at the end of this year or thought you would be in a better place with the Lord or financially or with your spouse or with your kids or in your business or with your health. You know, maybe you've been, whatever the case may be, and the outcome's not the outcome that you plan. guess what? God can give you a new outcome. But again, it's us seeking him, it's us trusting him, it's us, you see Jabez, he sought the Lord. He didn't look for other people to change his circumstances. He went to the Lord, he prayed and asked God to bless him. And to keep him from that. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me tonight. The greatest thing that, that this all starts with. And it's, it's, it's the biggest thing. And it all starts with this. And it's, you know, the overall is that God wants to give you a new life. 
It all has to start with, with you know, your life becoming brand new. What do I mean by that? Titus 3, 4, and 7 says this. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of this grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we would inherit eternal life. The first and foremost and greatest thing, this all, all this new character, new identity, new perspective, new potential, all of that has to start with starting a brand new life. Listen, I heard somebody say years ago, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Amen. And that's the truth of the gospel. The Bible tells us clearly here that we're dead in our sins. Jesus comes to give us a new life. So the Lord, if you don't know the Lord tonight, that's the greatest thing that you can hope for or ask for in this new year. Maybe you didn't get everything you wanted for Christmas. This is the greatest gift you can get. Amen. I'm going to present it again. And we're going to continue to present that. You know what? You need to have your sins washed away. The Bible makes it clear that it's not by any of the righteous things we can do. You can come to church seven days a week and stay here 24 hours a day. That don't mean that you're going to be saved. It's probably going to help. You'll probably get closer to the Lord through all that. But it's that you can give all your money away. You can feed the poor. Those are all great things. But none of that can save us. None of that can wash away our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. Again, I mentioned the atonement, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And that means that he took our place. We had a sin debt, just like some of you might have some debt from Christmas. We had a sin debt that was impossible to pay. And Jesus paid it with his blood. He atoned for our sins. For, 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 he took our punishment, our pain, our penalty. He paid the debt in full. And there's nothing we can do to earn it, nothing we can try. He paid it already. It's already paid. We just have to accept it now. So the last part of that, it says that because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Why don't everybody bow your head with me? I have a question for you as we close. Are you confident tonight that you will inherit eternal life? Are you confident in that? Are you 100% confident that if you close your eyes tonight and your eyes didn't open back up in the morning, you cross over into eternity, will you inherit eternal life? Because the truth is we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Some of us will spend it in heaven with the Lord. Some of us in hell in eternal fires, what the Bible says. But Jesus is offering the gift, the free gift of salvation that he paid to wash away our sins and give us a new life that we can become brand new. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I'm not 100% confident that if I die, I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord, but I want to be con- I want to make sure that my sins are washed away. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand tonight, and I want to pray with you. I never want to leave a service. I see your hand right here, ma'am. see your hand, young man. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, I want to be confident. Anyone else? We want to wait for you. We're going to take our time. We, we actually finishing early tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the Lord wants to save. The Lord wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to make you a brand Ma'am, I see your hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. He wants to make you brand new, a brand new person. Come on, for those of you that raise your hand, if there's anybody else, we're going to pray together. 
The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. The Bible says to repent and turn to the Lord. That word repent means to confess and to turn away from our sins. So I'm going to just lead you in a simple prayer. And as, as a church family, we're all going to pray this together. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Lord, make me a new person. Wash me in your, uh, in your blood that I, I, I may be clean, that I may be whole, that I may inherit eternal life. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Now, Lord Jesus, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, for those of you that raised your hand to accept the Lord, if you, if you made that decision for the first time, and maybe there are some others uh, that, uh, that, that did that as well, maybe you didn't raise your hand, you'll look in the pew in front of you, and there's a card, and at the top, there's a blue strip that says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, before you leave tonight, fill out that card, and you can actually either come bring it to me, or you can drop it off at the info center uh, in the lobby on your way out, and... and you know, we're not going to hassle you. We just, we like to give you some information. If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible, some materials to help you get started. We encourage you to jump on the growth track on January 8th. Uh, to be a great way to grow uh, in your faith and to learn what your spiritual gift is and how to get connected to the church. Uh, and so, again, take the few minutes to fill that out and hand it uh, to the uh, person in the info center. For the rest of us, come on, how many of y'all believing for some, some, some new levels with the Lord this year? Come on, let's just close out in prayer. Maybe something tonight just spoke to you. Maybe, maybe that you, you're just wanting the Lord to really change areas in your character like Jacob or maybe change your identity. Come on, let's pray for that. Father, I pray that, Lord God, those of us that are, have maybe struggled for years in certain character issues or, uh, Lord God, dysfunctions in our life, Lord, I pray you bring healing and bring revelation and, and, and bring, Lord God, breakthrough, Lord God, in our, in our lives and in our areas that we know needs to be transformed. Lord, I pray for anybody here that identity is not in Christ alone, that they would get a for sure, like a 100% identity as a child of God, not in their work, not in what they do, not in what they don't do, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray that our identity would be in, as a child of God alone. Father, I pray for those that don't see themselves as having potential to do much for you or to do much in life. Help them to get a new view of the potential, the way you see them, Lord. That just as you said, include Peter, you want to include you, them and the, the great plan of the great end time harvest that we're living in, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that maybe need a new mission in life. Maybe they've been on a, a self-serving mission and Lord God, they're ready, Lord God, to be on mission with you, a co-mission with you, Lord God. Uh, whatever that may be or someone maybe needing a new mission tonight, Lord God, you've been stirring them and this word tonight is confirming that there might be a new season for them to do something new, Lord God, with you to glorify you and to be used by you, Father God. And I pray, Lord, for all those that, Lord, they've maybe been disappointed by outcomes in life. Their outcome, Lord God, even at the end of this year, or maybe with their marriage or their children or every, any other area of life or relationships, the outcome hadn't been the way that they planned it or they did for They saw it. Lord, I pray for a new outcome. Just as you blessed Jabez, Lord God, and kept him from harm and pain, maybe there's things that have been spoken over people and they've been living down to expectations. Father, I pray they would live up to the full potential and that their outcome would be a glorious 
gracious and godly outcome that glorifies you and blesses them in the process. Lord, I pray you'd bless every person as they go tonight. Be with them, my God, and touch them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. <laughs> amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We'll be more than glad to pray with you. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful evening and happy new year.